Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, I think that's a reminder that we need to have, that we need you every hour. That at any moment or any time that we feel like that we can do this thing called life on our own without you, we deceive ourselves. And we realize that life is better with you than without you. So God, as we begin this new series, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So fall, November always brings around reminders of things. And one of the things that November and uh, this time of year brings around for me as the pastor of Royce City First United Methodist Church, it's a reminder that it's time to do our stewardship campaign. So this is our stewardship series that we're talking about first and, and, and what it means to have God first in our lives. But first, before we do that, I have a word for you. And that word is simply just thank you. Thank you for your continued work to help the ministries of Royce City First United Methodist Church financially and also through the, what you do to make sure things keep moving when we don't have a pianist around or when you know things just don't seem to be like they are supposed to be. And, and I always know that the church always rushes in and makes things happen. You know, I remember uh, when I got here in July of 2015, there was a phrase that I heard uh, people in the church talk about Royce City First United Methodist Church. And the thing that I kept hearing was that Royce City First United Methodist Church was a poor little church. And I would ask, what do you mean? So, well, we just, we just don't have the money. We don't, we don't have things to, to do things with. And I am proud and thankful to say that over the past five years, now sixth year, you have shown that Royce City First United Methodist Church is not a poor little church. You've shown this church to be a generous church, a, a strong church, a, a, a church that, that continues to find ways to help support the mission and ministry of the church, which you know that the mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, and to continue to find ways to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ with the community around us. You know, just shortly, we can say that, you know, over the past six years, we can see that the budget has increased tremendously. We have seen the ways that this church has impacted the community with your giving. Each Christmas, we, we, are, we do never, ever use our Christmas Eve offering for, for things that happen here in this building or on this campus. Every year, we give the entirety of our 
Christmas Eve offering away. And the past few years, we've been using that to zero out the balance of students in Royce City ISD who, who may have a little bit of a balance on their account, those who are, are reduced lunches or, or those who may need help with uh, paying their meals because we know it's so hard to learn if all you have for lunch is a couple of slices of bread, maybe a piece of lunch meat and a, uh, a piece of cheese. We also show the generosity by the way that we continue to support our Daily Bread Food Pantry, which has uh, done so much over the past two years. And I tell you, if you go inside of the our Daily Bread Food Pantry, it looks so different than it did pre-pandemic because of what you all have given to help provide the ministries of our daily food food pantry with with new freezers with new refrigerators with ways to supply those shelves to make sure that we're able to help families every thursday and every saturday and of course a ministry that's dear and near to my heart is our, our crooked house ministry which is a ministry that we use to help those families who may need just a little extra help paying their utility bills during the week, or maybe they're behind in their rent, or if we ever have a transient move through Roy City going from one place to another to help fill up their tank full of gas or, or give them a hotel room for, for the night. All of that is done through your generosity. Another thing that is done through your generosity is how we continue to make sure we take care of the campus of Royce City First United Methodist Church to provide a place where people can experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ with the, with the work that we've done within the sanctuary, outside of the sanctuary, the stuff that we've done in Wesley Hall and the Family Life Center, all of that has been key. Well, there's been some insurance money that's a part of that, but most of that is done and maintained by your continued generosity. But as you all know, I don't look at stewardship as just something that is done financially. Stewardship is also something that we grasp a hold of to see how we can share the love and grace of Jesus Christ with the community around us. And over the past several years, we've increased our witness to children and youth ministry. We, we've continued to create new classes for people to connect with one another and the grace of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And while I know over the past two years, with everything that has gone on, we've seen that slow down a, a little bit, I see a new wave coming. And what I mean by that is I see that there is something that God is, is ready to do here at Royce City First United Methodist Church, but I think it takes place when we as a congregation stop and stop thinking or stop worrying about what's going to be happening or how we're going to take care of this or how we're going to take care of that, but it all centers around how we as a congregation puts our focus on placing God first. And anything and everything that we do, if, if our task is to, to make ourselves look better or, or, or to build ourselves up, we are ultimately going to fail. 
But if our focus is on placing God first and exalting the name of Jesus Christ as a congregation, I know that there will be so much that we will be able to do that will allow us to give God all the glory and praise. So today we're talking about competition. And we all know what competition is. You know, we have competition on Friday nights, uh, football games. You know, if you're a big college fan, you, you revel or you, you mourn in your college football team's uh, performance on Saturdays. You know, we got the Cowboys, I think, playing uh, tonight. I don't know. I don't really follow them, but I know a lot of us do. But, you know, they're on a hot streak right now, so we're all gung-ho, ready to see them going. That type of competition is great. And that kind of competition is good to be a part of, but the type of competition that we as a church and we as followers of Jesus Christ always need to worry about and always need to watch is to say, is the competition that we are taking away our following and discipleship of Jesus Christ? The competition that we have, is it, is it something that, that we continue to lift up and we're excited about, or is it something that, you know, I would much rather follow this way instead of follow God's way? Our scripture, will will talk more about to that, but the first thing before we get to our scripture, we need to talk about a certain word, and that word is idols. And how easy it is for us to place up separate idols that take place of who God is in our lives. Now, if we were to take just a scriptural view of idols, we can say, oh, yeah, we, we don't do any of that stuff anymore. You know, like we don't have a, a golden calf that we, we construct and make to, to bow down and worship. We don't have what are called Asherah poles, which were built for, for other pagan gods that, that we, we go and, and sacrifice to or, or give things to. We don't have anything around us that, that we can point to to say, oh, well, that really is, is representing a, a pagan deity. We could also take a look at the Old Testament and see how Abraham, whenever he was called out of Ur, he was called out of a, a polytheistic background, which means that there were multiple gods that, that the people and the ancestors of Abraham would worship. But honestly, if we were to take a look at our own lives, we could see that idols can encompass more than a golden calf. Idols can encompass more than a pole that is lifted up for a pagan god. Those idols that can easily take place in our life to take over the worship that is due to the God who loved us, who created us, and who gave us Jesus Christ. Retired pastor Mike Slaughter, uh, he has a quote about idols, and he says, an idol is anything or anyone that receives the primary focus of my energy or resources, which should first belong to God. Let me say that again real quick. An idol is anything or anyone that receives the primary focus of my energy or resources, which should first belong to God. When I read that, whenever I saw that, I, I, I 
had a momentary inside of me that went, ouch. Because I know that there are so many times where I will let other things be elevated above where I see God. I'll, I'll, I'll let things kind of sneak into my life, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit, that will say, you know what? It'll be okay if I do this and, and not do this because it's not really hurting anyone. But the fact of the matter is, I think what it really hurts is you. Jesus said it this way in our scripture this morning in his Sermon on the Mount. He, he's giving a, a word to his disciples and to those listening to help remind them of, of how to follow God. And in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34, he starts out with these words. He says, don't worry. Don't worry what, we, what you will eat or, or what you will drink or, or what we will wear. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough troubles of its own so don't worry don't worry about what you'll eat or or what you'll wear because that's that's what the world will do the world will do that but because you are a follower of Christ Seek those things of the kingdom and seek his righteousness. And God will provide for you. God will take care of you. Even though tomorrow may be rough, don't worry about tomorrow. Think about today. Think about your relationship with God today and how how God has seen you through this far and how God will continue to see you through all of the trials of the days ahead whenever I hear that passage I think about the Ten Commandments and, and one of the things that I've done recently with our confirmation classes I've given them memory verses to, to memorize to memorize the, the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, all of those things, because I think they're important for us to, to have kind of locked away in a moment. And, and, I, and I always love when we start talking about the Ten Commandments in confirmation class, because, because it, the, the wordings in it may not be up to what a, a sixth grader may be, may be thinking about, but the whole idea basically boils down to that if you break any of the Ten Commandments, you really have to break that first one first. Timothy Keller, he, he said it this way, that we never break other commandments without breaking the first one because when we break the other commandments, when we break the stealing commandment, the adultery commandment, or the, the bearing false witness, or, or wanting stuff of other people, when we break those commandments... We are basically saying, you know, this first one, you shall not have any other gods before me. I'm 
placing God aside and I'm putting myself in God's position. And I am doing whatever I can to build myself up so that I am the one who, who matters. I am the one who, who, who cares for myself and, and, and nobody else. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he, he kind of put it this way. He said, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator for who is forever praised. So, so he was telling the Romans, look, you fall into this trap all the time. You, you, you think that you are doing the right things and you're exchanging these things here on earth for the really good stuff, for, for, for who God really is. And you would much rather spend time worshiping that or serving that than serving the one who gave it to you. In other words, idolatry basically is worshiping the good gifts that God has given us instead of taking the opportunity to worship the giver. Worshiping idols is saying, you know, all this little stuff that, that I like to have and, and to have a part of my life, all of that is way more important than the one who gave it to me. So, how do we watch those things that have been created and how can we make sure that those don't take the place of the one who created us? First, we must spend time examining. Examination is such a, a great tool, and, and it's something that, you know, I will, again, honestly admit something that I really don't want to do a lot. Because when I take time to examine things, I, I, I see places where I miss the mark. I see places where I tend to overemphasize things that don't need to be emphasized and underemphasize those things that are important in my life. In other words, I'll make sure that I'm focusing on making sure that I spend time watching Kansas State beat uh, TCU last Saturday instead of making sure that I'm prepared for what God has for me for the next day. By examining, we can take those little things and see how we place them in relationship with our relationship with God. There's a phrase that I've heard many, many times. I think uh, Dave Ramsey uses this a lot, but I've, I've heard it other places beside him. But it says that if you want to really see what your priorities are, take a look at your bank account and your calendar, and then you will quickly see what you prioritize the most. Hey, when I was in my 20s, my financial shape was just... Horrible, absolutely horrible. I, I lived and thankfully did not die from, but almost from something called the payday loan. And if you're familiar with what that is, I'm sorry. If you're not familiar with it, please don't get familiar with it. But what the payday loan is is that you would go into a, a company and, and you would write them, at, at least this is how this was done 
man, 20 years ago now. But um, you would go and you would write a check for like $125, and then they would give you a $100 back. And then you would have, have money, you know, automatically, and then they would hold that check until a certain day. Well, as I was starting to get involved with these payday loan things, I, I realized that the due date for that check would come up, and I realized, well, I've spent the $100, and I don't have 125 to cover the check that I wrote, so the best thing to do is to go to two other payday loan places in town and, and, and do those. That way I had the $125 to cover the one check, but then I would have more money to come by. But you can see the vicious cycle that this started to wreck in my life. I would spend more time trying to find other payday loans to help cover the debt that I had, and it drove me nuts. But then I, then I, I, I made a decision to come and move down to Texas to go to seminary. And I had a real quick fix for that. I just got a whole bunch of student loans. And that took care of all of the payday loan debt, and I didn't have to worry about that anymore. But I had to worry about payments that I had to make over and over again. So as I was going to seminary, I was working part-time at a, at a church doing uh, children and youth music, going to seminary. I had to get another part-time job on top of that. So I was doing all of this stuff together just to make ends meet. And then one day, one afternoon, towards uh, the beginning of the summer, the senior pastor called me into his office and said, Pastor, pastor I wasn't even near a pastor then. He said, Chris, I noticed something. I noticed that you aren't giving anything to the church. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, yeah, I'm not giving anything to the church. I can't afford to give anything to the church. And he said, no, if you're going to work here, you're going to need to give a tithe to the church. And that freaked me out. How dare somebody tell me that in order to work at the church, I had to give a tithe to the church. So I did what every uh, upsmart 20-year-old did, I changed jobs, and I, I got a job at another church. And I didn't have to tithe at that church either, but then that pastor did something different. He helped me, he had me help out with that year's stewardship campaign. And I got to look at, at some of the, the cards that were turned in for that stewardship campaign. And one of the people that turned in a card was an old woman, probably in her 80s, 80s, that I knew was on a very limited and fixed budget. And I saw that she marked that she was giving a tithe to the church, and the tithe was, was nothing. But she faithfully, week after week, made sure that she gave to her church. That, that started to make something click in my mind. While I was hoarding things, while I was running around from payday loan to payday loan place, while I was collecting all of this student loan debt to make myself comfortable, I never felt secure. I never felt like that I could have one strong foot in front of another. So I decided to start tithing. And I just started to give just a little, I gave that 10% that to the church. And once I started to do that, I realized something. I had money to pay all my bills. 
I had money to make sure that the needs that I had, the needs that my family had were taken care of. And it's not that I'm saying that tithing helped me make everything fine, but I think what it made me do, it made me take a look at my bank account. And it made me realize what was important and what was it that I needed to take care of so that I could place God first with my tithes and with my offerings. See, the competition is real. The competition is real there because the next thing that comes in line is that after you examine, you start to get concerned. Just like the beginning of our passage today in, in Matthew chapter 6, what is it that I'm going to wear? What is it that I'm going to eat? What, what is it that I'm going to have to, to make one day after another? What are those things that we worry about? What are those things that makes us anxious? What are those things that we mostly f- most fear losing in our lives? See, Placing God first doesn't mean that, that those stuff doesn't go away, but it, it helps us to see that we, we are able to place it on a different plane, if you will. We're able to place it in a way that allows us to see those problems differently. It helps us to see that the worry that we have may be un, unmitigated. It, it may be something that we don't really have to worry about. That that anxiousness that we have means is relieved because we are no longer letting ourselves be the one that's driving the bus, but we're allowing God to to move in and through our lives together. And the only way that I see us having a way to move through all of those things by is by just lifting up things in prayer. And I know this is hard. I know that sounds like. Pastor Chris just gave us just the ultimate Sunday school answer for all of these issues. But, you know, it's not about trying to pray to make everything right. It's not about trying to pray to make things go away. But it's about taking the opportunity to be in prayer for us to put our full trust in God to take the time and opportunity to be in prayer to say, God, I don't know how things are going to to, to, to line up. I don't know how things are going to, to pan out in this situation, but Lord, I put my full trust in you because I trust that I live in your kingdom. And I trust that you will give me your righteousness and that you will provide all things for me. Now, it may not ever be the way that you want them provided for you. It may not be, you may not get the things that you extensively have been praying for. But when we pray that prayer, it's to help us to live in that relationship with the God who loves and cares deeply for each and every one of us. And I pray that as we continue to move through this series over the next couple of weeks, that that we look and see how we can lift up our prayers to God for full trust in him to allow him to continue to give to us so that we may then give to the world around us.
uh, we're finishing up our narrative budget. We're working on that in the office, and we're thankful that the uh, charge conference that we had here on October the 14th, the budget that we have proposed was passed, and, and we'll have that for you. And I'll tell you, we are looking at making some increases in that budget. And we're looking for increases in that budget so that we can be faithful to what God has called us to do as a church. So you will get in a mail here in a couple of weeks the narrative budget, of course, your pledge card, and also your time and talent cards, too, to, for you to pray over. And then the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I believe that's the 21st of November, we will have a celebration Sunday giving thanks for what God has given us, giving thanks for who God is and how we can continue to lift him up in Royce City, lift him up in the world around us, and lift him up with one another to share how good God is when we put him first. Let us pray. Oh God, sometimes we... We thrive on competition. And we know that competition can be good. Competition allows us the opportunity to, to work. But Lord, when we place ourselves in competition with you, we know that we will always lose. So God, help us to not live our life just wondering if we measure up. But help us to live our lives as your beloved daughters and sons. Help us to live our lives putting you first, knowing that your kingdom and your righteousness will all be provided for us so that we can share the good news with the neighbors around us. And we pray this in the name of the one who loves us and cares for us, Jesus our Lord. Amen.